Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Daniel and I'm an extraordinary dad, or at least that's what I thought. This is episode two. Today we're discussing extraordinary examples from my life. These are the people that have made me who I am. So settle in and let's get started with episode two, Man on Fire. Before we really get started, you know how they say not to read the negative comments? Well, when you have an 11-year-old, you can live with the negative comments. As soon as my 11-year-old Lucy figured out I have a podcast, she started listening and she laughed within about three seconds and was like, Daddy, you sound so country. So then I was worried the rest of the week that my sound quality wasn't that good. So this is what you're going to get. But... As I said in episode one, I'm a truck driver by trade, so traffic patterns and knowing my intended route are very important to me. At night, we've kind of got like this phone tree set up, and speaking of Lucy, I had to explain to her what a phone tree was because I forget that I'm starting to get older. But we all kind of band together and let the guys know what to be aware of on our route, just in case I'm ahead of you, like about an hour ahead of you, I'll give you a call if I saw something. So it was nothing out of the ordinary when I got a call from another driver one night, and he said, are you going north or south tonight? And I said, South, why? And he's like, I just passed a car on fire at the 120-mile marker south on the turnpike. So you need to go down to Jupiter and jump on the turnpike there because traffic is going to be backed up until they get this mess cleared up. That was it. Then we spent the rest of our night just catching up on news, talking with each other. Nothing else was thought about it other than that warning I received to avoid the car on fire and to change my route just a little bit so I could avoid the inconvenience. The next night went by and... I didn't hear from the driver. No big deal. Sometimes we miss a night, then two, three, and four nights. Not a word. I called him on the next night just to check and see what was going on. When he answered, he was noticeably different, sitting down in the dumps. And when I pressed him on it and asked what was wrong, he said that he got home that morning after calling me and checked out the news from that area of the accident just to see if they got the traffic cleared up. And it turns out there was a woman trapped in the vehicle he saw on fire. She burned to death, and he was just concerned about letting us know to avoid the flames. He felt a deep shame and guilt, wondering if he could have stopped his semi and gotten to the car in enough time to get her out before the flames consumed her. It's easy to get this way in our daily walks. We see people whose lives are going up in flames, and our first reaction is to tell everyone we know that they need to avoid this person or risk being caught up in the dumpster fire that's their life. We're content talking about others, when what they really need is someone to help extinguish the flames. Today we're going to focus on some of the men who reached into the flames and had a life-changing impact on who I've become. They taught me different aspects of manhood, and to this day I'm discovering lessons that I missed as a younger man. Seeds that were planted in my life and mind that have helped me become a better human being. Gary Crummy first saw me wearing a volleyball on my head that had been cut into the shape of a helmet, had Cavalier Day Crunk written on the side of it and set above a red cape that was draping across my back. Sounds like a great outfit for a toddler or a very young child. But the problem is, I was 16 years old at the time. Our science teacher, Coach A, was also the volleyball coach for our high school. And she would give you extra credit for attending volleyball games. So a group of the guys got together and decided that we would start the Volleyball Heads. We took Lady Wildcat Volleyball to the next level. It was during that volleyball season that I went to church for the first time. I remember the first week I went, hearing the youth pastor preach a sermon that I thought was good. He called anyone up to the front that wanted to give their life to God, and I boldly told myself, nope, 
not for me. Then I'd go back to the gym to my job encouraging Lady Wildcats to get one more ace, spike, or dig while making sure that I didn't fail chemistry. And there he would be, the youth pastor, Gary Crummy. He'd say something like, it was good seeing you Wednesday night. Make sure you come again this week. We're having pizza. Or Miss Sarah's making spaghetti. And for years, I told him that the only reason I kept coming back was because I felt obligated to be there because I knew if I skipped, I would see that nice pastor at his daughter's game and I'd have to have an awkward conversation explaining to him why I couldn't be there. But the truth is, he made me feel valuable, truly valuable for the first time in my life. His consistent pursuit of the Cavalier Day crunk and his genuine invitation to church made me feel like I was wanted somewhere. Over the years, I grew to see him for for what he was in my life. And during that time, it was incredibly amazing. I see the lessons I never grasped and the compassion he showed me more when I look back than I did when I was actually there at the time. Gary is the one that would get me involved in different ministries, tell me where the needs were, and get me plugged in. He built a relationship with a rebellious, confused, and often stubborn curly-headed kid and helped me to navigate my adolescent years. The path that my life took can be heavily contributed to his involvement in my life, and I will forever be grateful. About my third or fourth week at church, I was really struggling during altar call. And if you're not familiar, altar call is the time of the service when you're called to make a decision. That moment where you get to tell the world that you've chosen to live for God and make Jesus the Lord of your life. I wanted to go up with all I had. And that night, it was one of those calls where it was like, if you want to accept Jesus into your life, come up front. And I wanted to go and pray with Pastor Gary, but I couldn't convince my feet to start walking or my hands to let go of this. We had these plastic blue chairs, and I was white-knuckling these chairs. Then I felt this hand on my shoulder, and I heard the words, Buddy, it's time you go up front, and I'm going to go with you. And that's it. I wasn't alone anymore. I let go of the chair, and I walked up front with my new friend, Eddie Hodges. And when he said he was going with me, he meant it. He went up front with me, and he stayed right by my side until he was promoted to heaven five years ago. We were an odd friendship. I had long curly hair like like Frodo Baggins' hobbit hair. And I usually wore flip-flops, jeans peppered with all kinds of rips, and a long sleeve button-down shirt, and usually accessorized with some variation of like a puka shell necklace. I was really cool. Pretty much looked like... I came off of the scene of a bad surfer movie set and then drove to my landlocked town an hour away from any beach. And Eddie usually wore an old flannel shirt, jeans, and worn-out boat shoes. At the time we met, he was in his mid-50s, and he and his wonderful wife didn't have children, so he spent his time dedicated to working in youth ministry and doing anything he could for God. He was a welder by trade and had an amazing talent of making himself available for God. He taught me how to be content just being used by God. He was the guy behind the scenes, changing out the soda machine, adding ice to the soda machine, taking out the trash, praying for people, chaperoning the lock-ins and trips, and while all this while never wanting an ounce of recognition. I'd often get calls from Eddie saying things like, what are you doing tomorrow? And the first few times he called, I would say nothing. But later when he called, my answer was, I don't know, Brother Eddie, what are we doing? Because I knew that whatever he had planned would be worth putting on the schedule. We got in the habit of meeting up on Tuesday nights to go to a church in the neighborhood where we would worship, then go to our church on Wednesday nights, and then on Thursday nights, he told me to bring my guitar 
and we went with his wife, sweet Miss Adeline, and made our rounds at the nursing home, visiting with the elderly ladies there, playing guitar, holding their hands, and talking as long as they wanted to. It was from Eddie that I learned to worship out of my comfort zone, and to love people who didn't look like me, sound like me, or grow up the way I did. We worked on more projects together than I can count, and I got pretty good at dodging his fishing lure when he would go to cast his reel in his little ginu. From him, I learned what it was like to walk for God and not care who was looking. How to live a life not about the task you're doing or the rewards you'll receive, but to work for God because you just love God and see value in his creation and his people. Those aren't the only two mentors I had in my life, but those are two examples. If I tried to share everybody who had a part in my life, I wouldn't have the time in the world This would be a seven or eight hour long podcast. But they absolutely changed me for the better. I was in life burning away from the inside out. And their guidance and work, trust me, there were times when dealing with me was a lot of work. And I'm sure I'm the reason Pastor Gary has a couple of those white hairs. But they stuck it out and they helped to make me into the man on fire for God and full of love for his people that I am today. It's easy to get wrapped up in our own world and not see the people who really need us to get involved in their lives. There's someone out there who needs you more than you know, maybe even more than they know. This week, stop and look around. Try and find somebody to pour into. I'm 34 years old and still learning lessons I was taught 17 or 18 years ago. Now I've got the opportunity to work with the fourth and fifth grade students in our children's ministry, and I don't take a word or an interaction for granted. You're called to be there for someone, and it doesn't have to be something extravagant or huge to have an extraordinary and lasting impact in their life. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 2-3 and 5, ESV. And in case you didn't hear it from anybody else today, I love you, God loves you, and you should love you too. Get out there and live a life full of extra today. I'll see you when I see you. Oh, hey, before we go. So I was discussing the name. I just kicked something under my, under my desk, and I was doing so good. No, I had an extra sound until I did that. But I was discussing the name of our podcast to somebody, and they were like, you know, when I hear you say Extraordinary Dad, I feel like you're bragging. And at first, I started to apologize, and I was like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. It's a play on words. You get it? I thought I was extraordinary. And then I stopped myself, and I told them, you know what? I am extraordinary. I'm trying my very best every day. And do I blow it? Yeah, I blow it sometimes. But I'm giving it my all. Do I have to ask the question, is that poop? More than any human being should? Yes, I do. It's gross. But what matters is that I show up every day and I love my kids and I love the world around me. And so do you. So don't feel like you're not extraordinary. Don't feel like you're just mundane and usual or you've blown everything so bad that you just can't give everybody what they need. 
You're exactly what the world around you needs. You're extraordinary. You're loved, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening.